What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. Newly married, back from Vegas, has not had a lot of sleep. Uh, I was Last night was, was my legal wedding night, I guess. And then I drove back first thing this morning. Tried to make it back in time for Monday Night Raw. Was a little late. I'm sure my producer listening to this is not thrilled with how late I'm sending him this audio but I wanted to get it out because first and foremost I gotta say to all of you who said kind words to my marriage to my wedding over the weekend with Erica just want to say thank you I read them all we felt the love this weekend it was very kind of all of you to be saying kind things to us and we were very happy we were very moved it was it was the best day of my life up until this point we we went to vegas because um her grandparents live out there we were gonna go to when we were young and one of uh her grandparents is health wise isn't great so we went out there much earlier than our actual wedding is going to be next year to tie the knot so that they could see it just in case their health worsens we want to make sure they have that memory and we wanted to have that memory with them Yes, it was at the Little White Wedding Chapel, the infamous wedding chapel where Triple H married Stephanie, and then uh, she was passed out in the car. Uh, but then it was revealed down the line that she was in on the whole thing when Triple H interrupted her wedding with Test. She didn't want to marry Test. It's what Vince McMahon wanted, and this was her message to Vince that this is her life, and she's gonna live it. So yes, we recreated the photo and uh, it was hilarious that Stephanie McMahon quote tweeted it. We woke up and saw that, and we were cracking up. But really, once again, thank you all. Any th- those of you who said anything kind to me on social media over the weekend, I I tried my best to like every every kind thing being said or jokes being made our way. I tried my best to like them all. But if I didn't, just know I saw it, and I appreciated it. Very much. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Judgment Day were out first. The group hyped up Dominic Mysterio defeating AJ Styles last week, with all of them basically calling Dom the greatest luchador of all time. Dominic then bragged that he's this generation's Eddie Guerrero before correcting himself to say that Eddie was actually his generation's Dominic Mysterio. The OC interrupts the party here, saying, uh, <clears throat> saying uh, they, they interrupt the party here next. And AJ says that Dominic is more like this generation, this, eh, this generation's James Ellsworth, not Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Balor reminds AJ that he's just hiding behind the club and that everyone that came after him in the club has just been living off of his legacy. This fired up Carl Anderson, who replied, saying that he wanted to remind everyone he's the toughest guy in the building, so he asked everyone to clear the ring. This led to Finn Balor versus Carl Anderson. There was a dope-looking spot in this match where Anderson hit a neckbreaker from the middle rope for a good near fall. Balor eventually went up top for his finisher, but Anderson got up and cut him off by hitting a superplex. And then a lot of stuff happened here. Dom climbed onto the ring apron and yelled at the ref. Styles pulled Dom down. Priest took out Styles by running him into the ring steps and then throwing him over the broadcast table. Gallows hits Priest with a big boot. Ripley runs Gallows into the ring post and body slams him. 
Anderson then put Balor on his shoulders for the stun gun, but Dom distracted the referee and Rhea low blowed Carl, allowing Balor to get the pin. Let's talk about all this. I, I had I said a lot there of rundown here, but <clears throat> I love this. I really did. I'm liking all of this stuff here. You know, I think that the Judgment Day, the more and more they've been able to steer away from the goth stuff, has has made the group feel so much more natural, something that people could theoretically buy into. And you can see every single one of their personalities shining more week to week. Damian Priest is kind of morphing back into how he was in NXT or even after you know a little bit of a post-Bunny, Bad Bunny world. I think that you're seeing that side of him come back out again, the, the party guy, the metal dude, rather than uh, Punishment Martinez. You know, Rhea Ripley has been beating up dudes left and right, something we rarely saw in the other era. And Rhea Ripley is just killing it, dude. Rhea Ripley is a force, and she has, she's she's barely wrestled. She, I think she wrestled, what, one match in like 150 days um, because of the fact that she was dealing with an injury. But now that she's back, like, dude, she is one of the most um, intimidating people on the roster. Uh, you know, and then she's got this whole, you know, badass group behind her of Damian Priest. And then you got Balor. Dominic's there, too. And, you know, Balor as well. Like, Balor, he was he's always kind of he's he's always been great as a heel. I think we've, we've seen how good he can be as a babyface. But I think kind of like Sami Zayn, you can see that just because someone's a great babyface doesn't necessarily mean they can't be an amazing heel as well. And I think that Balor, you know, for so long he gets this rap of like being bad on the mic or something, or maybe not being like great on the mic or, or, or something like that. Um, but I think that that might just be more the babyface side of him because when he's a heel dude, like he's great. He clearly believes in what he's saying. He speaks with a conviction, and and you can see that getting to lead his own group again has kind of um, what's the right word? Has kind of um liberated him in some degree where it's like it's it's like it's like it's showing him again that that you know he can kind of be you know the the, the way he envisions his heel character and I, i'm digging it dude like i'm liking everything that comes out of it similarly i think he we talked about i talked about it a little last week but you know him talking about how the club was his thing is great for this feud between these two sides it makes all the sense in the world that finn balor would have an issue with, especially now he's got his own group, that he would have an issue with the Bullet Club trying to come into his territory and act like they are the top dogs when they clearly were created by Finn Balor. Uh, well, not just him, obviously, but he's the one who was the leader back then. And so it makes sense that he would say all of this. And I, I like it, dude. It kind of like, you know, sometimes people say like, oh, WWE doesn't reference the outside world enough. And I think that when you're talking about Balor starting Bullet Club in another company, that's a different attitude, a different mentality. Um, I was almost wondering if they were going to mention the New Japan stuff that that the Good Brothers had been talking about on social media. So we'll see. I don't think they, <laughs> they didn't say it here. I don't think they will. But I thought maybe there might be some mention of it just to kind of show like, hey, we're, we're cool. We're, we're being cool with the outside wrestling world. Anyways, moving on. Johnny Gargano is walking backstage with his whistle and gets approached by The Miz. The Miz wants to know uh, what, Gar what Gargano thinks that he knows. And Johnny told Miz to just tell the truth. 
Miz then acts like there was no history between him and Loomis, Loomis, but said that he was going to the ring to speak the truth on the situation anyway. So the Miz is out next, and he claims that the reason Loomis has been after him is because of his mind. That while out of his job, Loomis couldn't grasp Miz taking Ciampa under his wing rather than him, and that he's been out for revenge ever since. Johnny Gargano walks out and says that Miz is full of crap. Ciampa also isn't missing. They were just texting, and he's just injured. Gargano says that Miz just needs to tell the truth if he wants to be finished with him and Loomis. Gargano then threatens to blow the whistle again, and Miz keeps saying that he wants that he does want to tell the truth. He wants to tell the truth. And this, of course, prompts an entrance from our truth who thought he was being summoned. And after an insult to his hometown of North Carolina, Truth challenged Miz to a match, which was eventually accepted. So we get Miz versus R-Truth. And the finish saw a hooded man who appeared to be Dexter Loomis arrive ringside in the crowd. This distracted Miz long enough for Truth to get a roll-up pinfall victory. Unfortunately, it was not Loomis in the hoodie. It was actually revealed to be Johnny Gargano. And Miz was not happy about it. We're going to get to more of this Miz and Gargano stuff. But it's really kind of like a running theme throughout the show. So I don't get my full thoughts on it yet. But I do like, similar to what I said last week, that we are digging more into what actually happened. We're not just doing these repeated beatdowns. They're beating over our head now that there, that there is more to this story. So I'm liking this, but but I got more to say about it down the line. So just give me give me a bit, because there's a bunch of these. It was a running theme throughout the night. Next, there was a sit down interview with Candice LeRae, who talked about her arrival on Raw. But as you can expect, this was quickly interrupted uh, by damage control. They remind her of all the people they've injured since taking over the division, and Candice says. The only thing they've shown is that EO is still untrustworthy, Dakota is still spiteful, and Bailey still isn't Raw Women's Champion. Bailey says, if you don't think we're in control, then let me remind you. She then shoves the camera down, and you can hear an intense beatdown occur. I like that they gave Candice LeRae a moment to talk. It was quick. I would have liked to hear a little more, but I think you know her having a big return that happened, uh, there hasn't been... Enough follow-up on, like, you know, just her, the character, for people who don't know who that is. There, there, there needed to be a little more. And I do think that for someone who may, you know, for the people who don't didn't watch NXT and aren't familiar, this did kind of give a little idea of who Candice LeRae is. She's gone for a baby, Johnny Gargano, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we know now. Also, if you want to know more about Candice LeRae, make sure you go check out the Out of Character interview that I did with her. Like, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah, no, no, excuse me, last week. Last week, God, I'm so thrown around. That's the most recent episode on the podcast because I'm thrown off because of the Logan Paul interview, which I hope you guys listen to as well because I found it to be interesting, even though it wasn't out of character. It was a shorter one-on-one interview, but I hope you guys enjoyed that anyways because it was really cool for me just to kind of hear some of those things he was thinking and what, you know, what he you know thinks about the wrestling industry, how he was a fan growing up, stuff like that. Um, the fact that he's trying to mature and show people a different side of himself, what drew him to wrestling, a lot of cool stuff there. So if you didn't listen to that, I, I implore you to give it a chance. But also, if 
you want to know more about Candice LeRae's Return to the Ring, make sure you listen to Out of Character with Candice LeRae from last week. And this week, we've got Wade Barrett on the show. A lot of promotion there. I apologize, but you got to know what's out there. I got to shill a little bit to chill. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Erica, my wife, that I used that line because she said it while drunk and it did apply. Uh, so <laughs> that was good. Uh, Elias runs into Matt Riddle backstage after that. Riddle is still hitting his bongos. Says he wants to get better for Elias. Elias says he's a real musician and that he's got a long history of being disrespected as such. So because of that, he vowed that if someone did that once he came back, he'd do something about it. But he knows that Riddle and Zeke were close, so he's going to let last week slide. Riddle then still tries to show off his bongo skills, which almost causes Elias to snap and hit him with a guitar. But Alpha Academy interrupt. Gable makes a reference to Elias being Ezekiel, which pisses off Elias, and he challenges Gable to a match. I like the reverse the reverse Ezekiel, that now Elias gets pissed off too when someone insinuates that he and his brother are the same person, but not in the same way as it was before, not going so hard about it, but just in a way that doesn't necessarily crap on everything he did with the Ezekiel character next we get austin theory versus mustafa ali but before the match begins seth rollins makes his entrance to join the commentary team at one point in the match theory tries to take a selfie on the apron but ali drop kicks him off of it then hits a somersault senton to theory on the outside thought that looked pretty cool there was also another cool spot where theory reversed a spinning ddt out of the corner into a suplex but the finish came when Ali hit the top rope, prompting Seth Rollins to run into the ring, and it distracted Mustafa Ali long enough for Theory to hit the A-Town down. I liked how he kicked him off the top rope, too. It looked pretty cool. You know, seeing Rollins and Theory in the ring together again reminded me of the pandemic days of wrestling. You almost forget they, they had a, a time together um, where he was one of uh, his disciples. After the match, Rollins punked Ali, telling him to quit fooling himself. Rollins then bragged while walking up the ramp, but Mustafa Ali uh, flew into frame out of nowhere like a spider monkey. Ali then tosses Rollins into the video wall, and uh, Seth runs off into the backstage area. Um, Yeah, I mean, I love all this, dude. I, got, I love all this. I'm, I'm feeling all this. Like, I think that Triple H is clearly given opportunities to people who have been deserving of opportunities, who are talented people, and seeing if they sink or swim in a in a in in a, in a way that isn't just like a, okay, here's one week. I didn't necessarily like one little thing, so I'm dropping it forever. Or the crowd didn't necessarily react to it right away, so we gotta shut it all down. Um, you gotta build people up. And Mustafa Ali's getting built up here. You know, he, he, um, he, um, even though he lost here, I, I think that the fact that he's in a program with Seth Rollins for the United States Championship is, is huge. It was huge. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I liked all of this. I think that, um, the fact that he even got a one up on Seth this time at the end where it seemed like Seth one up to one upped him, 
But then he comes just flying in. It was a cool visual where you didn't expect that he was going to be there. And he just comes flying in out of nowhere. And then he gets one up on Seth Rollins. Like, Seth Rollins is a is one of the top guys in the company right now. I mean, there's there's not a few pe- there's not many people above Seth Rollins um, in the hierarchy. So I think that this is huge for Musavali. And I'm really enjoying seeing him get these opportunities. All right, let's do a quick commercial break. And then I'll be back with the rest of my thoughts on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Okay, so then we had Miz chasing after Johnny Gargano backstage. Miz angrily said that Johnny fooled him, but Gargano said Miz has been fooling everyone. He then rushed off to be with Candice, but gets cut off by JBL and Corbin. JBL says to show legends respect, so Gargano does, while also calling out JBL's hammer pants from the week before. Gargano then points out all the different names Corbin has had, saying he doesn't know what to call him anymore. And obviously, this leads to a challenge for a match later in the night. Dude, Johnny is getting tons of TV time in this episode, which is great. He's been really fun in every segment he's been involved in. And, you know, I think that there aren't a lot of people who can carry a show in the way Gargano has done in this episode. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, not an easy thing to be, you know... Funny in the segment with R-Truth, serious in multiple segments, you know, with, with Miz, um, you know, you know, having quips with, with JBL and Corbin, um, you know, having a good match with Corbin, which we'll get to. Um, this was like a real, from my perspective, a real push for Johnny Gargano tonight to, to, to see if he can be that one of those number one baby faces and, 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 and just God, I love seeing the push for baby faces again, baby faces and heels, not this areas of gray stuff, baby faces and heels. It's like what wrestling was built on. We're getting clear cut baby faces and heels again. That's how I feel. That's something I have noticed from watching the shows again, JBL and Corbin clear cut heels, Johnny Gargano, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano clear cut Babyface, Mustafa Ali, babyface. You know, uh, uh, you know, Candice LeRae, babyface. You know, Bailey and Damage Control, heels. Bianca Belair, babyface. You know, there's no shades of gray. That, that seems to all kind of be getting wiped away a little bit, because you want babyfaces versus heels. You want to root for the babyfaces to defeat the heels. And I think one of the main things I saw for a long time when people were talking about WWE, and I agreed with was that there weren't enough strong baby faces, people that you want to cheer for. It was all this shades of gray stuff where it was like, you decide. But then everybody ends up looking like a heel. And then if they're all heels, then who's the baby face? <sighs> Sorry, I got a little worked up there. But <laughs> that being said, I like that it seems to, to a, from my perspective, it appears like we're, 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 there's been more of a push to define who the baby faces are and who the heels are in a way that wasn't being done before. Next, we had Amos versus four local wrestlers. Before the match, MVP tells Braun Strowman that he hopes he's watching because after Crown Jewel, there will be only one monster in WWE, as you'd expect. Almost destroys them all, even when they try to gang up on him all at once. And eventually, Amos hits his finisher on one of the wrestlers, 
then drags a lifeless body of another uh, guy who was in the match on top of the wrestler he had done his finisher on to get a pinfall victory. Next, we had Chad Gable versus Elias. And don't get me wrong, Elias has wrestled good matches. But seeing him in this one where he was like chain wrestling and doing some different stuff from what he had been doing in the past when we when we had the character of Elias on TV was a nice change of pace. I mean, you know, oftentimes I've always felt like some of the wrestlers who'd get crap from the diehard audience of like, oh, this wrestler's not good enough or not you know, wrestling the matches, you know, five-star matches or whatever. And I and I and I think to myself like, well, but I think these people all have the ability to wrestle the matches that you see your favorite indie stars in or people outside of WWE. But I don't think it's what the boss wants. And I think that they're more focused on making the boss happy than making the general public happy to make sure that they keep their job like anyone who has a job. And now that the person in charge wants something different than the previous person who was in charge of creative, I think we're seeing some of the wrestlers get an opportunity to wrestle the style that they would like to wrestle. I've seen a distinct change when watching the programs from before, where before it always felt like everybody wrestled the same style. And that's what everyone wrestled, and that's what we watched. And it would frustrate me when I'd, when I'd, when I'd watch it and I'd think to myself, well, I like it when I'm watching different styles wrestle against each other. Or fight each other, or whatever, because it's it's a nice. You like to see, you know, what the chemistry is like, or what the difference, the clash of styles will look like. So when everyone's wrestling the same, it's not quite as interesting to me. Um, so now that we're kind of seeing a little more freedom from the wrestlers, we're seeing kind of like how they envision their wrestler, um, the, the style of their wrestler, and and Elias here, uh, was, this was a nice change of pace, man. Like Elias was really killing it in this match. There was a cool spot where. Uh, Elias even reversed a moonsault from Gable in uh, with a knee to the face that looked awesome. Uh, and Gable was impressive as hell in this match, too. I mean, he has really been shining in this Triple H era where all the matches where you think he would just be enhancement talent, maybe, have not been the case. And he's actually been doing cool moves and and and, and showing up and, and doing stuff that, that you wouldn't expect him to be doing in, in the previous era where it would be like, oh, no, this person was there to make someone else look good. That doesn't seem to be the case right now with the way they're using Gable and Otis. Gable is making himself look good in these matches, too. We're making his opponents look good as, good as well. Don't get me wrong. But he is really shining in a lot of these matches, and it's, it's, uh, it's really cool to watch. The finish saw Elias hit his finisher on Gable in the most brutal-looking fashion I think we've ever seen from him. And honestly, I kind of felt like this was a sleeper banger. This was a sleeper banger. Really enjoyed this one. Really enjoyed these two and their mix of styles. After the match, Otis quickly attacks. And as you can expect, Riddle scooters Riddle Riddle Scooter Riddle, Riddle scootered out to make the save. Next we saw the OC backstage in the trainer's room complaining about Rhea Ripley. Gallows says he's obviously the best one with women in the group, so he'll handle the situation. With Rhea, they're like, dude, she body slammed you. And he's like, body slams. Body slams are my love language. Uh, AJ and Carl then note that he's terrible with women as he walks off to try and do something about it. And after the break, Gallows walks back in holding his nuts. 
And they all agree they have a Rhea problem that needs to be handled. Okay, so this was interesting to me. Um, so, that, call me crazy here, but this sounded to me like the OC might get a, a woman in the group. Am I crazy at that? Is that what you guys got from this? Why am I speaking in such a high voice? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Is that what you guys got from this? That's kind of what I got from this. When they said that, like, they have a problem, you know, real problem that needs to be handled because they can't put their hands on no woman. So what are they going to do? Who do they add? Do you think they're going to add a woman to the bullet club? To the Excuse me. To the OC? I don't know. You know, if they call themselves the OC... Because they're the original club, right? But there's no women in Bullet Club, to my knowledge. So I don't know who I'd be picking from. I mean, I guess that's not true. There's there's, there's a there's Ring Valet and a former Bullet Babe. But I don't think any of those ones are joining the group of who they're talking about. I wonder if it's someone from NXT, someone that hasn't been used as much. Trying to think like a who would go good with them, and no one has immediately come to mind. Now, granted, I've been in Vegas for a weekend, and um, to put it mildly, my brain is not functioning at a hundred percent level. So, if there's someone that immediately stands out that I'm not thinking of, please just don't tweet me too angrily. I've got enough of that the past twenty four hours. Just give me a break. Just give me a break. Just, just, just tweet me nicely and let me know if there's someone that you think I'm not thinking of. Because I, no one is immediately coming to mind. However, I'm very intrigued to see if that is where this is going. Next, next we had Baron Corbin versus Johnny Gargano. JBL heals it up for the crowd to introduce Corbin. Um, and you know, I, I see in my replies when I've done interviews with Corbin where people in the comments act like he isn't good at wrestling. But I couldn't disagree more. And this was an example of it. This was great. Like I said before, you get to see someone like Corbin wrestling, how he envisioned his character wrestling. We got to see heel and babyface dynamics. And to me, it just shows, once again, the gray area thing isn't as good. At one point, Corbin clears the announce table, but Johnny tosses him into the steel steps and gets on top of the table. Gargano picks up JBL's hat, and taunts him atop the table, then dives off the table to hit a spinning DDT on Corbin. This cracked me up. I love this. You know, like I said, Johnny Gargano had his night tonight. This was great night for Johnny Gargano where he just got to do all these things that show he has potential to be one of the top baby faces on the brand. I do feel that way, and I think that I had already felt that way just in general, but after watching tonight's episode, I'm like so much more confident of it. It's really hard to be that entertaining in one night in that many segments and not be feel like it'd be annoying. It'd be like something that you enjoy. So I, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, while the ref's back was turned, though, because of the whole hat situation, JBL knocks Johnny's legs out from underneath him allowing Corbin to hit the end of days for the win. After that, Bianca Belair was backstage saying that a win tonight over Bailey will put an end to her feud um, that she's been having with damage control. An angry 
Johnny Gargano is approached by Miz backstage after that, and uh, he says that uh, he and Maurice got a get well soon card for Candice. I laughed at Johnny being like, well, that was okay, that was actually nice. Um, Miz says it's been a tough night for everyone, but maybe they can just put it all, put all of this behind them like reasonable men. Johnny Gargano says the only reasonable thing to do would be to tell the truth. And if he doesn't, next week, he himself will tell everyone. Okay, I said we'll talk about it later. Let's talk about it. Like I said, Gargano killed it in this, but so did Miz. Miz did a great job of, of going through a whole arc here of going for like, what do you know? What do you know? To, you know, go going around it, going back and forth. Clearly, the character of The Miz is struggling with talking about this. He's struggling talking about this. And they made it show, they, I think it was clear after tonight that Miz does kind of know what he did to Dexter Loomis. And he has been lying. And he doesn't want to say. And with the tease from Johnny Gargano, I, I, I am intrigued. I am intrigued to see where this is going now. I had harped on here a little bit that it was starting to become one-noted, that the the Dexter Loomis thing was becoming just a tad bit one-noted because I wanted to know what was going to happen next, what his beef was with, with The Miz. And I understand with a character like Dexter Loomis, who is silent, it, it's a little bit of a, it's a... It's a bit more of a slow burn to get to something like that. Um... But because this is the first feud he's been in in WWE, this has been like three months of this. However, this was exactly what I've been wanting. I want to know what's going on. Intrigue. I'm interested. Um, I'm assuming that Gargano is going to have to blow the whistle as he keeps teasing on The Miz. I'm interested. I think that, you know, if there's anyone else who complained about lack of progression in the storyline like I had. You can't say that we didn't get that tonight. There was tons of progression when it came to this story. We found out that Miz has been lying, that there is clearly something going on. Champa is only injured at home. There's a lot happening here. A lot of pieces were put in place here, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes next week. And if we find out what Dexter Loomis's deal is with The Miz, and if we do find out next week, I'm interested in how that reveal happens. There's been a lot that's built up to this, and it better it better pay off in the long run in order to help Dexter start on the main roster be successful. Lastly, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Title. Bailey attempted to hit a KOD near the end of the match, but Bianca wiggled out and hit the Bailey to Belly instead. Bailey then tossed Bianca out of the ring, telling Io and Dakota to take the table apart. But Bianca drops them both with elbows, powerbombs Bailey onto the announce desk, picks her up while still in powerbomb position, slams her into the ring post, still has her in powerbomb position, and then drops her face first on the ring apron. Just the power and strength of Bianca is always so damn impressive when you see stuff like this you're just like god this this woman is just so damn talented and just such a freaking powerhouse now okay the finish is where things got a little wild the finish saw the ref attempt to kick eo and dakota out of the ringside area for getting involved 
when suddenly someone dove off the top rope onto all three of them. But the refs can't see this person's face. They're confused. They're wondering what's happening. This makes it so that uh, Bailey can hit the rose plant, but Bianca reverses it into the KOD. However, since this person went all crazy from the top rope, there's no ref to make the count. Nikki Cross then gets into the ring. She's the person who dove and did the crossbody onto damage control and the referee, but she's not there to help Bianca. She hits Bianca with her finisher, allowing Bailey to get the pinfall victory. New champion, new Raw Women's Champion Bailey. Before she can celebrate, though. Nikki pounces on Bailey as well. She was not there to help Bailey either. Uh, Graves says that uh, that this is the that this is uh, wait. My true. Hold on a second. My true. This was for the Raw Women's Title, right? <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Okay, so let me just make sure. I could have sworn that was for the Raw Women's Title. Now I'm second guessing myself as I do this. Was it not for the Raw Women's title? I thought they said it was. Hold on a second, people. You're going to learn this in real time with me, even though you probably already know. Oh, wait. So, wait, wait. It wasn't for the Raw Women's title? Damn it. Look at me. All right. You know what, guys? I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say this. I got married last night in Vegas. It's been... 24 hours. It's been a little over 24 hours since then. Um, and uh, most people wouldn't be working after that. But I care so much about this podcast feed. So much about you guys hearing my opinions that I clearly wrote this down wrong. <laughs> I thought this was a Raw Women's title match. All right. Look it. I have one mistake here. I think I only had one mistake here. So I apologize. Not new champion. Uh, but Bailey does get the pinfall victory, so now she holds another win over Bianca Belair. Excuse me. I apologize. <laughs> right when I said that, new champ, I went, wait, I don't think it was. Now you guys get to learn. You guys get to hear it all in real time, me getting mad at myself and what happens in my brain. Uh, like I said, though, before Bailey can celebrate, Nikki pounces on her as well. And Graves says this is a side of Nikki we haven't seen in a long time. The announced team clearly goes hard on this being like the Nikki from NXT, which is what I had guessed uh, in an article on the Fox Sports website recently. It felt like that's where this whole Nikki Cross storyline was going. Or should I say Nikki A-S-H? Felt like things were changing within Nikki and that we were getting the Nikki of old. And that's what it seemed like here. So I think this was a solid main event, but it didn't stand out above the other matches that Bailey and Bianca have had against each other. I think that Bailey does need to win that title soon. I'm uh, not sure when it's going to happen. Maybe, no, see, it doesn't happen in Survivor Series. It's got to happen before Survivor Series. It's got to happen before Survivor Series. We'll see. All right. Um, also, just want to say, Love the Nikki stuff, though. Love it. I mean, just like I was saying before, giving people opportunity to succeed is what this business is all about. 
giving people opportunity, not just having the same people doing the same things every week. That's not what's exciting. You want new things, new things happening. Um, Mustafa Ali ending the show last week. Nikki Cross ending the show this week. These are interesting things to me. These are new characters that are being taken seriously. And I'm liking it, dude. They're being put up against the main people of the show uh, in a serious manner. Um, and I can't hate on it, dude. I'm excited to see the Nikki of old. Nikki was dope. Nikki Cross was so dope in NXT. She was one of the best parts of NXT when she was in NXT. And I've always wondered why it was just changed. I know that she had no problem with the change, that she had been doing different things before NXT, and that the change in NXT was a huge departure from what she had been doing on you know the indies and stuff. But, dude, it ruled. And I really hope that that's where this is fully going. I like the unhinged Nikki Cross. Crazy Nikki rules. And that's what it seems like we're finally getting. All right. I have to get some sleep. I have not slept. I've driven five hours. I've done so much just to be here today for you. So please let me go to sleep. Go follow at WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday at 8 a.m. This week, we got Wade Barrett on the show. Very fun conversation. We talk about his recent move to SmackDown, getting the itch to wrestle again, but then immediately losing it. Nexus, a bunch more. His thoughts on current SmackDown storylines. So make sure you check that out this week. Wednesday. And also, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. I read them on the podcast when I see them. So please hook it up. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the Raw Roundup.